Hey everyone, welcome to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. In the Mobile User Acquisition Show, we talk about how to use mobile user acquisition strategies to grow your app quickly and capital efficiently. The Mobile User Acquisition Show is presented by me, Shamant Rao, mobile growth leader and founder and CEO of the mobile growth consulting firm, Rocketship HQ. Each episode includes strategies, tips, and pointers from the leading edge of mobile user acquisition that you can use to unlock tremendous growth for your app in a sustainable and capital-efficient manner. Our guest today is Sharad Kolegi, the Director of Ad Monetization at GameHouse and advisor to Rocketship HQ. Sharad works on improving monetization and yield for a portfolio of over 35 apps. And no, that is not a typo. Sharat has an incredible wealth of experience, both on monetization as well as user acquisition and growth. In the past, he managed user acquisition and growth for Bash Gaming, where he worked alongside me. Bash Gaming was acquired for 170 million. Sharat also worked for Pretty Simple and has advised many, many companies on different aspects of their growth. Something that Sharad's done an incredible amount of work on has been in App Store testing. He has run over 200 uh, App Store conversion experiments, and that's what uh, I'm excited to dive into with him today. I'm very excited to welcome Sharad Kolegi to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. Sharad, welcome to the show. Hi, Shaman. Good to be here. Yeah, uh, excited to have you because I've seen so much of your magic from close up. Uh, I've always admired both the mix of creativity and analysis, which is a very unique combination that you always bring to the table. And so I'm excited to dig into a lot of your magic in a lot more detail. Also because you run like 200 plus app store tests. And uh, this is certainly something that I want to dig into more about. So to take a step back, why is App Store conversion testing important? And why do you think most apps don't do this? You and I, of course, worked together for years way back in, in what seems like a past life. And when you look at why we didn't do it back then, it was mainly because we couldn't. Yeah. And when you look at a lot of folks who are currently running um, UA or growth, a lot of them have memories of that where tracking this stuff is, is just not possible in some cases and not straightforward in other cases. And, and frankly, on iOS, it's still quite tricky to, to really test properly. Whereas on Google now, it is possible. And I think the reason that adoption has been so difficult, especially in, um, let's say, the gaming space uh, where I primarily operate in, it's because iOS has often had such an outsized impact on revenues. So it's always been, oh, okay, we, we, have, this, we have this thing, but we don't have it in iOS and iOS is our most important platform. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Google keeps changing these things and, and has been improving these things in my opinion. It hasn't been you know, backward and forward. It's always been more data, more granularity, a better identification of specific conversions throughout the funnel. Mm -hmm. And I think mainly it's been 
the reason for low adoption in in my opinion is that is that because it was only really and even now only really available on one platform without using a third party uh, solution between mm-hmm. mm-hmm. of course it's critical now because of two different reasons i think one because even if you have you know one major platform out of two that has this information it's still hugely valuable yeah just optimizing google the the other part about it is that the google play store has become so much more important for everybody um than let's say where it was uh, 5 years ago uh, for sure because the rate of growth for most folks on the google play store has been phenomenal uh, when compared to to apple Mm-hmm. Um, and that this has always been the case in terms of downloads and and the number of users but now also in revenue yeah interesting yeah no that certainly makes sense and uh, i would also imagine way back 6 7 8 years ago when you and i were working on this that it was somewhat relatively easy to get installed at the time there wasn't as much competitive pressure as well uh which absolutely has changed since uh that time and so let's assume there's an app that like right we need to start testing uh we'll listen to sharat on this amazing interview we need to start testing where do you recommend they start assuming they've never done any testing before with their app store pages yeah i think that's fair a while ago uh, almost 7 years ago when we were working on this the store was a whole lot less crowded or when we started working on this um and now if you were to really start from 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 scratch let's say i think it's pretty clear that visuals are where it's at i don't think there's anyone who's going to say no let's test copy first it breaks my heart to say it but i don't mm-hmm. think because i got started in advertising as a copywriter at one point and it breaks my heart to say that copy doesn't move as much as a copywriter would like to think it does <laughs> Mm-hmm. at least in the basic testing there's a lot of evidence that shows on on the app store especially in the google store the thing to look for and the thing to change is really the the big giant thumbnail for the video and mm-hmm. the icon those are the two big things that you want to change mm-hmm. certainly it, it it it's it's really easy i think to to say oh this is super new and and this uh, hasn't been Uh, the way that it's always been or anything but but visuals have always been the big critical thing uh in advertising like there are entire companies mm-hmm. their careers are on good packaging right and and the app store really is just good packaging for your app and when you think about it that way um and you go back to kind of the first principles of of advertising naked attention seeking you know you can anybody look at this thing and say what it is uh, and yeah. get excited about it like is this different is this the same um and that same but different that that's what people are really looking for they want to be able to understand what it is but it should also be new and interesting yeah uh, and and that is really what one can achieve with a good, good amount of thinking around the icon a good amount of testing um around the video thumbnail or what used to be the the feature graphic uh, on google Yeah. Yeah, and when you say new but inter- new and interesting are there examples of tests you run where you employed this that come to mind? Oh, for sure. Like my my favorite example is 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 this example of this doctor app that we worked on um 
and that was this uh, game called Hearts Medicine. And the, the value of that test was just huge because that was one of the first tests that we ran that had an impact until this time we were doing, you know, 2%, 3%, 5%, nothing like uh, essentially um, the confidence levels uh, at 90%, the difference is very little. But what I mean by uh, the same but different uh, or old and classic, but still new, it was really in this one icon. So it was a doctor game and we had an icon that everybody agreed on. We had the first ever consensus where the creative team, the branding team, and the performance team looked at an icon, and it was about a doctor's story. She goes from a medical intern to a gifted surgeon, and the icon was a doctor holding a stethoscope, which makes tons of sense, and there's a big background of a heart behind her, and her name is Heart. We thought that was super cool, and then everybody agreed that that was a great thing to do, but then the art director on the actual game, who was not part of the, the marketing team per se, he had this classic portrait that he had drawn almost as, a, uh, as an in-joke. It was kind of like this Mills and Boone cover um, or this, well, it wasn't actually Mills and Boone. It was more like an 18th century painting uh, for a, a Kosovo girl. It was about a nurse in a battlefield helping a soldier. Mm-hmm. And when we looked at that icon, we were like, this is terrible. <laughs> no one's going to like this. This is not the game at all. This is horrible. Is, mm-hmm. is uh, you know you're turning it into some random uh, romantic novel when this is a very serious game and all of those things, and then when mm-hmm. we tested it, it knocked it out of the park. It, it took, uh, I think, three or four days for the results to come back uh, from Google, um, and it was easily at least forty percent better than this consensus candidate where everybody said it was great, mm-hmm. and. and you look back over the literature of A-B testing, um, whether it's you know stuff that was written 100 years ago in, in scientific advertising or what Ogilvy wrote uh, 50 years ago, it is that A-B testing does, when done right, or when you get a little bit lucky, whichever one you choose, it makes a huge difference. And this thing really made a huge difference. It changed our advertising for that game. It changed how we thought about games and stories. Uh, it changed the top of the funnel, uh, and we could see that it was actually having an impact further down because the kind of expectations that were set at this point onwards mm-hmm. um, was pretty solid. Um, yeah. and I, that's, that's my favorite test. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you wouldn't expect it to be almost like a battlefield, a person in a battlefield. It's almost like, you know, it told a completely different story. Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Well, that's the thing about it. It it was actually a part of this story, but it was just one part of the story. Like this is a, a 20 hour uh, game almost. And yeah. this particular scene, it's I think the, the most emotional, the most uh, gripping scene of the whole thing. Yeah. But we just didn't feel it that way when we were going into it. Yeah. Uh, hindsight 2020, it's kind of obvious. Oh, of course this was amazing. I mean, yeah. Um, but that's not how that story unfolded. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We discovered it uh, through testing. Uh, we discovered it because one person said something. The rest of us said, oh, this is horrible. And then it was, wait a minute. It costs nothing to test. Yeah. Uh, it, it, this is, and even if we're completely wrong, um, the cost of failure is super low. It's 400 people, 500 people, maybe 1,000 people 
who will see it and make a different choice. Yeah. The cost of it is super low, yeah. even if we're wrong. And if we're right, we improve everything. Um, and of course, uh, then we go apologize to the guy who got it right uh, by yeah. buying some coffee. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it, it, that was what was at stake. And, and, and I think that's one of my favorite things about this, that the system yeah. is, is fairly easy to deploy and redeploy and test and retest. Yeah, yeah. You know, for every unique idea or test that you run that's a winner like that, I imagine there are a lot of ideas that can be somewhat obvious, like let's test a red button versus a green button. Right. Uh, or it just may not move the needle. Even if you think it's going to be amazing, it probably wouldn't move the needle or wouldn't be the control, right? Uh, how do you recommend teams go about generating ideas for these tests, right? Which are sort of somewhat similar, but have an interesting twist to them or any other way you want to think about these? I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is really the process because you never know which one is the big idea. Yeah. Um, red button, green button, fair enough. Um, for what it's worth, I, I think that's also worth testing. But I mean, the icon is, is the size of a postage stamp. Yeah. Um, so maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Um, yeah. Auto actions usually do make a difference when you're looking at much larger uh, web pages, when you're looking at long copy. It, we, we see that it makes a difference. But I think what ends up happening is if you're sticking with a product and you're waiting for that one giant amazing idea mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, the, okay, this is going to make your career as creative director or this is going to make your career as a performance marketer then you're going to be waiting a long time. That's my general feeling on that. Um, I think experimentation needs cadence. Like we did a couple hundred tests on, on this, but of course, you know, all all the great companies in the world run numbers, dozens of tests practically every day. Mm -hmm. And the the way to, to really approach it is systematic. It's to see what, what is the cadence rather than what is the big idea. Mm-hmm. Because once you get in the rhythm of it, once any team gets in the rhythm of it, mm-hmm. you get better at it, yeah. right? Because I think even if you start at red button, green button, sometimes you got to see the fact that nobody actually cares mm-hmm. to get out of that, to get that yeah. out of your system and to stop thinking about things that way. Because maybe yeah. it works for your app. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen, you know, I've seen crazy things that I thought were as different as, you know, ice and fire make no difference at all because the users don't necessarily care about the same things that, yeah. uh, that we care about. And we've just been wrong about that. And, yeah. um, you know, if I was to, for example, invest six months in making two things very, very different and then testing it and then finding out that the users actually don't care and one is 51.2% and the other one is 51. One percent. Uh, yeah, I mean, that would be that would be terrible. Uh, I think, yeah. like, like for what it's worth, whether it's in this kind of testing or another kind of testing, two out of three experiments end up with a result of no difference. Like, even yeah. if we think that we are making two things that are completely different, quite often the audience just doesn't care what we care about, yeah. um, and then. And, and you know this, this was the same thing when we were working together. The, the thing that we hate the most or the thing that we go, that's yeah. probably not going to make a difference. Uh, yeah. 
somehow the universe just wants to prove you wrong. It just goes and uh, yeah. Yeah. get an insane result out of that or, or that one lone voice that says, yeah. this is completely different. Um, yeah. And that ends up working. And then I think the other thing with, with testing cadence being more important than the actual tests themselves is that this is a great way to build a creative team because yeah. any good creative team has people who fundamentally believe in what they're doing. Like, like these are folks who have done this for a while. They've been right a whole bunch of times. Um, so how do they convince each other uh, and how do they gain this respect for each other if they're all completely new and haven't worked together before? Mm-hmm. I think having a cadence of testing where everybody can see that, you know, a whole bunch of people are right a whole bunch of times and a whole bunch of and wrong a whole bunch of times, it just lowers the, the ego threshold of being right and right. being wrong. Right. Um, and puts the focus on doing things that are meaningful. Yeah. Because, I mean, you do enough red button, green button tests that have no impact. You do 10 of those. Uh, and then no one's going to come up with the next idea of, oh, no, let's try purple button. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Everyone starts then. Uh, thinking in, in, in different directions and in different ways, and then you end up yeah. getting better ideas. Yeah. Um, and then I think that that's, um, that's in many ways more the most valuable thing. Yeah. And when you say the cadence matters the most, what does that cadence look like? What does that process look like for you guys? Uh, like, is that, I mean, who's present? Who's involved? Is that a meeting? Well, what, what is that like? Yeah. Well, well, typically the, the people who are most involved are the growth team. Um, and, um, and I've now moved more towards the monetization side of things. So I don't really um, um, look at it in that way anymore, but certainly the growth team is involved and the studio is involved. Like whoever is making the app and whoever is selling the app. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my typical rule for any of these things is bring in everybody who needs to be there, but don't bring in anybody who doesn't need to be there. Um, So like if it's an in-house system that you're setting up and you need a BI person to set it up, then definitely involve them. But if it's just something that you're testing on the Google Play Store and it's between the studios uh, that make the art and the the advertising or the growth team that that runs the test, uh, then run the test. And and some folks Mm -hmm. have a system where, you know, the studios run the test themselves because they they have everything within Mm -hmm. themselves. Um, They're fully... um, they have the bandwidth, let's say, uh, then sure. it's them and, and other studios uh, don't have that bandwidth and it just is their advertising folks or their agencies or their growth teams that, that do it, then it's just internally within their growth teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of cadence, I think that for most B2C, you got to give that at least seven days. And, mm-hmm. you know, in that way, if you're running 50 tests in, in one segment for one uh, feature for one app, um, that's pretty decent. It's not perfect, but but it's decent. And then you could also split uh, between the US and UK or markets that you know for you behave the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could probably cluster them out and run a few tests uh, in parallel. Um, but I, I would give it about seven to eight days. Uh, sometimes you get a result sooner and that's great. Sometimes you don't. Uh, but I would stop running a test after a week if it has no result um, because, I mean, you could wait forever. Um, and we have done a a bit of analysis on, on how long is it. And the overwhelming majority of our tests, we have a result uh, in eight days. And if we don't get a result in, in seven to eight days, then waiting 40 days doesn't uh, give us anything useful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, 
That makes sense. So you're, uh, if you're getting results roughly in just over a week, you're structuring your meetings perhaps every other week or perhaps even every week to decide on what to Yeah, about next. every week, about every week. I mean, any, yeah. any studio that, 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 uh, that I've advised in the past, uh, and Game House works with a number of studios or worked with a number of studios really, um, at least once a week, we'd report in on a bunch of experiments, whether it's on the product side, uh, yeah. on the paid advertising side, uh, or growth in general. Um, and even on the CRM side. Um, yeah. I imagine it's the same for, for all the good agencies out there as well. I know that you do something very similar. Yeah. Um, where once a week, you just kind of touch base because that's, that's how most yeah. users look at, look at the apps. I mean, people live week yeah. to week. Yeah. 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 on Sundays are different from, uh, from Thursdays and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. think that that works here uh, in the most optimal way as well. Cool. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you know, you you did say that uh, earlier how a lot of the testing infrastructure on Google Play is very robust. How do you recommend approaching iOS? If, you know, yeah, this is a tough one to give a a scientific answer on because I think the it depends on who you ask, really. Like, I mean, there are companies who will tell you that their results on iOS are totally different from the results on Google. And that might be the case for them. Um, typically in my experience, at least in the US, I don't see a huge difference between something that is a killer creative on Google being a total dud on iOS. Having said that, everyone's got to test this thing out for themselves because maybe a proxy uh, landing page is better for somebody on, on iTunes um, and maybe just importing Google results to iTunes is better. But what I can say is once you run this experiment once or twice or even thrice, you'll have your answer. If you have a great killer result on Google and you deploy it on, on Apple and you don't see a bounce, you know that your Apple is different from your Google. Right. If you see the same kind of killer bounce on, on iOS, uh, you know that you can disregard um, a couple of blog posts out there that say it's completely different and that for yeah. you, it's actually pretty similar. Yeah. And I've seen both happen, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe it's different for, for everybody. Uh, maybe there's a broad trend that, that works for, for somebody in certain segments. I think the, the only way to do is, is test. Uh, so, so, so test and, and if it has no impact, uh, then uh, yeah, unfortunately it has no impact. Um, yeah. The cost yeah. for experimentation on iTunes is certainly higher in terms of dev costs and then you're submitting and then you're waiting yeah. So there's a lot of wastage in and around that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, someday Apple's going to fix that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or not. Or not. You, you never know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they have their reasons for doing what they do. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's inevitable. Yeah. Uh, and then some people don't have a, a philosophical issue with uh, adding one more layer uh, to the funnel in, for the sake of testing. Yeah. I have issues with that. So I don't typically use those types of things, but, but that's just me. Uh, right. if, if it works uh, better to, to test, then, then it works better to test. Gotcha, gotcha. I don't test uh, separately. I, I do deploy uh, to iTunes because I found for the most part a giant win on Google um, for our segments of uh, casual titles does translate into a good win on Apple as well. Gotcha. And uh, what 
metrics and or KPIs do you use to evaluate the results on Google Play when you're running these A-B tests? I like looking at returned users, um, yeah. especially for, for icons and uh, headers and, and even copy and those types of things. I, I like using those. I, I prefer the retained user than just the installed user. Um, mm -hmm. and, and sometimes those are different. Uh, mm -hmm. Certain icons can be clickbaity, certain creatives and, and lines can be clickbaity. So you end up losing more people uh, after a day. Um, and then when it comes to other things like conversion testing or onboarding testing, there Google Play has a much more robust window of seven days and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I would rather um, stick with something like that, like a seven day look back uh, rather than uh, an install look back. Right. So, so for people who aren't familiar, this is a this looks at the re users who are retained after seven days of install. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Which is a good oh. of whether they're staying in the app. Exactly. And 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 I find that some of the the shorthand that we use is perhaps almost um, confusing on purpose. <laughs> like yeah. something like D seven, and you see that in a report or a or a post, and you're like, what is that? And I think that that's a, a fair point. So if someone yeah. downloads on a Monday because you changed something, you want right. to see if they stick around for another week after that, do they come back uh, the next Monday? Yeah. Even now, like when I, when I meet uh, certain folks and I tell them, you know, day seven retention benchmark of 20% is a good number. Um, quite often th there, there's a lot of double takes involved going, you can actually yeah. live with that, that you have a hundred people installing on Monday. Yeah. And only if you get, even if you get only 20 of those people coming back next Monday in the consumer segment, you actually have a good app. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, you actually have more than a good app. You have a pretty solid app at that point. Indeed. Um, but yeah, that, that's just uh, the benchmark. That, that's how the metrics work. Indeed. Yeah, Sharat, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think this has been great that, you know, picking your brain on so many of the things you've learned and the interesting non-obvious things you've learned running 200 plus tests. Thank you for being on the Mobile User Acquisition Show. Happy to be here. Thank you for listening to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. If any of this was helpful or instructive, I would love for you to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcast fix. This podcast takes a ton of time, effort, and love to produce and I deeply value every review and every piece of feedback that you share. Thank you for listening, and I will look forward to sharing our next episode soon.